Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Nichols Road Campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Good morning, everyone. As uh, Kathy said, we're beginning the Ark of the Bible, and it's A-R-C as in the Ark, not the Ark as in a boat, <laughs> um, which is the overview of the whole story in eight weeks. So please be interceding because I don't know how I'm going to do this. I could take eight weeks on the first verse. <laughs> um, but this is basically a 30,000 feet view of the story to give you kind of a big picture. And uh, I was encouraged that several people in the church have taken up the Bible challenge of reading the whole Bible in 30 days. Or perhaps you've decided to read through the scripture and in, in a year this year, and it's important to get that overview of Scripture, and that's what we're going to be doing over these next few weeks. Um, my wife and I, Kathy, uh, have recently started watching a TV show called WandaVision. <clears throat> Anyone familiar with that? Yeah, brand new TV show, and if you don't know, our church actually has a direct connection to that, if you don't know what that is. You can ask me afterwards, and I'll tell you. But, um, you know, it's a new TV show, and it, at the beginning of the TV show, <clears throat> I didn't know what it had anything to do about, but the opening scenes and the credits actually is a montage of, of scenes from all of the Marvel movies. And so you see uh, Captain America and, uh, and the Machine Guy, Iron Man, right? And, and, the, and the little rodent from the Guardian of the Galaxies? Oh, he's a raccoon. He's not a rodent. <laughs> and so all of those are flying by, and it's in color, and it's loud music and everything, and then boom, it's black and white. And actually, so the first, first episode was called uh, uh, Filmed in Front of a Live Audience, and I thought, wow. Like, I remember when TV shows were filmed in front of a live audience. I had forgotten that ever happened. It was so long ago, I'm like, they're really being authentic. And so the show starts out, that opening sequence actually gives you a lot of information. And we knew that it was set in the Marvel Universe, right? But we didn't know much else about it. But we knew that it took place within that universe, even though those first few episodes didn't seem to have anything to do with that universe. But we began to see clues, little symbols, or the term hydra. And so we're, we're getting a, an idea of the placement of this story within the greater story of the Marvel Universe. And in a similar way, Genesis starts out that way. And today we're going to be talking about just the creation story, Genesis 1 and 2. And like the introduction of any good story, the Bible begins with setting the scene and introducing some of the main characters. Nearly every major theological issue can be found in the first few chapters of Genesis. Really. I don't have time to go through all those major issues because that's my job. I've been doing it for over 30 years. You can listen to all my sermons. <laughs> frequently, frequently I will refer to something in those first three or four chapters of, of Genesis because it's Everything starts there, and it gives us a context for the whole of Scripture, all of the stories that follow. 
So as we go through this series in the ark, we'll tr- attempt to answer basically three questions in each one of our message. First is, where is Jesus seen in this part of the ark of the story of the Bible? Uh, you know, because Jesus is on, you know, there's a famous saying, Jesus is on, you can see Jesus on every page of the Bible. If you, if you know how to read scripture, Jesus is throughout the whole book. Uh, and then what, second question is, what does this part of the story mean for me or for us today? I mean, how does it apply? Um, and that gets a little more complicated in some of the Old Testament stories. And then finally, what should we do in application of this in our lives today? And so um, if we don't walk away with an application, then it's just a waste of time. We, if, if we don't apply what we learn from Scripture, we just become better Pharisees. Who wants to be a Pharisee? No, it's not fair, you see. Genesis 1 and 2. <laughs> the story so far, Genesis, we're just getting started. God creates all things, and he calls it very good. Listen, creation matters. It reveals God made everything, and it is his order and his commands that must be followed and are supreme over everything. I mean, that's just uh, uh, shouted in the very first chapters of the Bible. So the Bible starts out with the creation because it reveals the character of God and the importance and his supremacy over all things. And so this really affects, and it should affect, our view of who we are and why we exist. And even specific things like marriage. I mean, marriage is introduced in the very first chapter of Scripture. Do you think it's important? Yeah, because it's one of the major themes of Scripture. Fruitfulness and, and, and work is introduced in those first few chapters. Creating culture. Uh, healthy relationships with God, with others, and with nature, all of that, we learn significant understanding from how the Bible represents the event of creation. Now, mankind are also created in the image of God as, as representatives of him, as well as stewards, and they're introduced as co-rulers of the earth. This is, again, very, very significant theological truths because in the story of creation, we find ourselves. We find uh, people, all right? And we can find ourselves in God's story. There's, there's lots of stories. Most stories, you know, you may uh, can relate to in some way, but here, humanity, mankind, the descendants of Adam and Eve, are are a vital part of the story. We're not just bystanders. We're not just audience. This is something we are active in. And this really contrasts with a a lot of the worldviews that were um, uh, popular when the Bible was written, but all throughout the ages and including our day. And we'll get to that in a few minutes. The Genesis story of creation also reveals that uh, mankind has an active role that we are active in God's creation, we are God's people, and we have something to do in our point of history. Each uh, segment of the ark 
of the Bible includes people making a difference when they respond to the words and the nature of God, and that includes right up to today uh, in our own lives. So Genesis, some general ideas and truths that we need to know to understand Genesis, it was written by Moses after he led the people out of slavery in Egypt. But everything that happens in the book of Genesis happened before Moses was born. Have you ever thought of that? And the beginning of Exodus begins with the birth of of Moses. So how could he write about something when he wasn't there? Well, they're based, the stories in Genesis are based on oral traditions that were passed on through generations all the way back to Adam and Eve. And remember that, and if you read through Genesis, the first many generations of mankind, people would live seven, eight, nine hundred years. And so uh, you can, I can't, I figured it out once, is that Noah could have heard creation stories, I believe, from uh, Adam and Eve's children. Okay, because there's that overlap. So you think, wow, from uh, Adam to Noah before the flood, uh, there must have been a lot of information not lost. No, he could have went and talked to his great, 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 great uncle and heard about what happened between Cain and Abel, you know. And then those stories were passed down. And I believe it's very, very likely there were written records, although we have no archaeological evidence. We do know that writing existed before Moses, okay? Um, it was quite common, in, in fact. And so there could have been written records as well as, as these oral traditions that lasted for many generations. Additionally, remember the story of Moses. He was kind of close with God, wasn't he? In fact, at one point, he spent 40 days on Mount Sinai alone with God without food or water. Okay, that means he was in the supernatural presence of God. With God, a day is as 10,000 years. I believe that that time on the mountain when Moses was in the presence of God probably felt like an eternity. And who knows how much information God was able to reveal to Moses. Why? Because he was using Moses to create not only the nation of Israel, but to put in record his word that would be passed down through the generations, which we still use today. And so I think Moses got a good schooling, all right? And certainly we know it tells uh, uh, that uh, God revealed to Moses the law, um, and that's not only the Ten Commandments, but all of the law, the plans for the tabernacle. He taught him how to structure the nation of Israel, and it most likely included information about the origin of the earth. And so Moses received direct revelation. He had oral history, and he may had access to other information to clearly record uh, uh, an accurate representation of what happened. I do believe, by the way, that creation happened exactly the way it depicts in the Bible, but I believe that the depiction is a poetry, is more in the, in the realm of poetry, uh, rather than, it, it certainly is not scientific. 
all right? Because within, within three pages of the Bible, it talks about the creation of the whole universe. I know recipes for, for meals that are longer, all right? So, uh, um, you know, we need to understand the purpose for which it was written. Is it accurate? Absolutely. Is it scientifically accurate? Its purpose was not to answer scientific questions. All right? It was written to the Israelites as they were leaving 400 years. Think about it. 400 years of living in a pagan society in Egypt. And by this time, they had become slaves. What happened 400 years ago? What happened 400 years ago? The revolution? American Revolution? No, it was only 260 years ago. 400 years ago. It was just after the Reformation. The things in, you know, America had been discovered, right? Yeah, but barely. All right. So think of it. History all the way back to the medieval times of Europe um, to, uh, that was that long they had been in Egypt. And so Moses had to bring the people of Israel sort of up to speed. And they brought with them not only a, a, a lot of the uh, behaviors of the Egyptians, but they were, they were submerged in that culture. And so Moses and God, through Scripture and the revelation and, and the process of, of creating the nation, uses God's Word to, to clarify what truth was. So Genesis 1 and 2 are actually a very carefully written argument against other creation myths that were very, very common in Egypt and the Near Eastern world, all right? And you can actually read some of those. I have. Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, revealing God as their great deliverer. We've heard, uh, we'll get to the story, actually, in a few weeks. <laughs> um, <clears throat> through mighty signs and wonders, right? But he also taught them that, that Jehovah, their God, was even greater. It wasn't just the deliverer, which was a common theme of gods in, uh, uh, in the ancient times that uh, gods delivered particular nations. But this God was even bigger. He was the creator of all things. He was God not over just one people group, one, one family, one nation. He was God over the whole earth. Why? Because he created the whole earth. And this is, this is something that is extremely important. And the Bible begins with this, because it's important in order to understand everything else that comes afterwards. Again, Genesis doesn't answer all of our questions. It's a book about theology, not geology. If anyone wants to convince you otherwise, don't buy their book. You can listen to their ideas, think about it, but understand Genesis was written to give us theological truths, to understand uh, who God is and, and what God's purposes are and who we are. And chapters uh, 1 and 2, this is again surprises me how many Christians don't know this. There are actually two creation accounts in Genesis. There's not one creation account. There are two creation accounts in Genesis. Chapter 1 and then chapter 2 starting in verse 4 forward are two separate accounts. They overlap. Uh, in chapter 1, mankind, male and female, are created last on the sixth day. That's what everyone's familiar with, right? 
But if you read chapter 2, it starts out in verse 4. It says, this is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day the Lord made the heavens and the earth. And this word, the day, is singular. In the day. In this, in the day. Now, that's the same Hebrew word that's used in Genesis 1 each of the six, actually seven days. And so God created the heavens and earth in how many days? Six days. And on the seventh day, he rested. But Genesis 2 starts out saying, in the day when God created everything, this is how it happened. And so here we have the, the Hebrew word day is actually used for a specific 24-hour period or for a time period of whatever length. Okay, Like back in the day, if I say that, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, October 12th, 1963. I'm talking about back in the day when I was a kid, when things were cool. All right. So we use it somewhat that way, but in the Hebrew language, that word did mean a particular 24-hour period, but it equally meant a, a, a time period of any length, whether it be days, weeks, months, or eons. And we see this in the Genesis account, uh, in the literal understanding, fundamental understanding of Scripture, that that word is used in both ways in the creation account. And so, which is true, they both are. All right? Just like the Gospels give us four representations of uh, Jesus' life, and they don't always line up. They are all true, and we need to read them in a way that helps us understand the fullness of it. All right? So uh, in, in, in uh, the, the second account of creation, which kind of centers in on different aspects, kind of zooms in on different details, man is actually created first before plants and animals. Huh. And, the, and, and then God forms, uh, causes the plants to grow, and then it says he forms all of the animals out of the ground. Uh, and so the last, Adam is created first, and then the final uh, act of creation is when he creates Eve out of Adam. And so there's a bit of a difference, but really it's zooming in and in, in looking more closely at a different aspect. All of it teaches truth about creation and about who God is and who we are and what is this universe that we find ourselves in. All right? Um, I already said that. Uh, so we need to discern what the important uh, truths are for our understanding based on what we're trying to figure out and what we're trying to apply and how we're trying to live our lives. And in all of the story of uh, the creation account, again, it's all true, um, and, and it depicts uh, in, a, in a story way what, what actually happened, but its purpose is to teach us about God, to teach about uh, ourselves and to teach us our place in the universe God created. Now, pagan creation stories, like I said, Moses wrote it. It was very carefully structured in the story to clarify the differences of some of the creation stories that the Egyptians would have been used to after living in Egypt. I'm sorry, the Israelites would have been used to after living in the Egyptian culture for 400 years. Um, and so there's some similarities, but there are some differences. I want to highlight a couple of differences just for examples. In Genesis 1-6, it says, God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day 
and the lesser light to govern the night. And he also made the stars. Isn't that great? It's like, oh yeah, and all those stars. <laughs> you know, of course, now, because we have telescopes and physicists that spend their whole life, I, have a, I, have, I know a young man, and that's what he is. He's an astrophysicist. Um, and man, whenever I'm with him, I can understand what he's talking about for about three sentences. And then he loses me completely. Like he literally studies the stars and how that all works. And so we have so much scientific knowledge. But for God, it was just an add-on. Yeah, let's fill the sky with stars. All right? <clears throat> it doesn't explain how he did it, uh, but it's totally true. Hebrew had words for sun and moon. But they didn't, but for, for an intentional reason, God didn't inspire Moses to use those Hebrew words when he recorded the Genesis account of creation. Why? Because in nearly all of the creation myths in uh, Near Eastern uh, ancient days, the moon and the sun were actually deities. They were gods that were worshipped. And so by just saying the word sun, well, that was the name of a god. And moon was the name of a competing God. And so it actually didn't use those words to, to clarify the difference that the Genesis account, uh, these were just objects created and placed in the sky for a purpose, right? To give heat and light to those living on the earth. The attention, the focus was on this creator that life, you know, the God we worship wasn't the sun, Noah is the one who created the sun and the moon and everything else in the universe that we can't even understand. Wow, that's a lot bigger God, isn't it? All right? And that everything was created, submitted to, and obligated to worship this creator, this invisible creator who alone was worthy. So the nature of God as creator is in, and that, that this creator is intimately involved in the creation. That's another thing. A lot of the ancient myths, creations were actually like an accident. Seriously. They were like a, a god dropped something <laughs> and it became the earth, you know, uh, or spilled something and out of it became mankind. And, and, then, and then the gods are kind of fixed this accident. No. Genesis creation stories that God is intimately and actively involved in the creation of each aspect of, of the universe, including humans, especially. Um, <clears throat> another difference between the biblical uh, narrative of creation and other creation stories uh, was the role of humanity. Ancient Near Eastern creation myths present gods as selfish and oppressive, almost universally. In fact, every, yeah, universally, the gods were always like pretty self-centered. <laughs> and humanity was, uh, existed simply to serve the gods and to keep the gods happy. Right? But in the Bible, that's radically different. The Bible tells of a good God who created humanity to share his love with. Listen, this is, for you and I, 
We've heard this story our whole lives, and it's embedded into our culture. But for the Israelites coming out of Egypt, this story was so radically different than anything they'd ever imagined if they hadn't heard those original oral traditions passed down by the, by the early uh, uh, generations. Uh, this is something that just totally contrasted and conflicted with all of the other creation myths. Bible says in Genesis 1, 26, uh, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock with all of the wild animals and over all creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Very specific, very important. God clarifying, this is the universe you live in. This is how to understand it. This is how to interpret it. God blessed them, them being male and female, humankind, um, and said to them, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth. Be fruitful means have sex and multiply, have kids. All right, fill the earth, subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Wow. Humanity actually bore the image of God, the likeness of God. This is, we weren't an accident of the gods. We were intentional, and not only intentional, but we reproduced the character and the nature of God in a unique way. God identified with mankind and, and the values humanity in a special way. It says God blessed them. So humans and mankind is not some kind of servant class created for the gods uh, uh, like they are in other stories. Our God is different. Somehow he just got echoey. I don't know what happened. There we go. Uh, our God is different, Right? Aren't you happy about that? Humanity is actually the crowning achievement of creation, and we're co-rulers of earth. Earth is not a place of subjection and servitude, but it's a beautiful home where we're, we're called to live and thrive and actually enjoy the very presence. God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden, and so God was there. And, and creation was, was made so that we could commune with the creator. All right? That's, that's huge, folks. This, these are the big lessons from Genesis that we need to understand and be able to communicate. Because these are the important truths to help shape our lives. Another important difference between the Genesis account and other creation accounts, to sum it up, is the character of God and the role and purpose of humans, mankind, and how all of creation is, is, is an expression of God's nature. He was the artist, and the universe is his artistic creation that he actually inhabits. Um, guess what? We're still confronted today with uh, competing creation myths. Do you know that? Yes, we are. Boy, are we ever. <laughs> All right, and so these are different ways of thinking about who God is, what he's like, where we come from, and what our role and purpose is here on earth. Right? 
summary of a couple of primary ones. These are general terms that can be boiled down into specific, uh, more specific representations. One is just humanism. That's uh, the idea that the pri- uh, gives primary importance to humanity rather than God. Uh, that uh, what's important is humans. Humans uh, have to determine their own destiny as well as their own purpose and their own meaning. Well, the Bible creation story contradicts that completely because God is infinitely more important and that humanity actually is completely dependent on God for existence. And so humanism is incompatible with uh, the, uh, the, uh, the universe that is described in the Bible beginning from the very first pages. Atheism, of course, um, is another, and it's kind of resurging. There are kind of ebbs and flows. It becomes popular or less popular. <clears throat> um, uh, and uh, right now there's a, a new radical atheism, an aggressive atheism that is rising up, especially among younger people. And it just simply denies the existence of God. First of all, on a simple basis, you cannot prove a negative. All right, You cannot prove something doesn't exist. You can prove that you don't know something exists, but that automatically means you're not an atheist. It means you're an agnostic. An agnostic is someone who doesn't know. Agnostic. Gnostic is no to know. A is without knowledge. That's the, the Latin... Uh, <coughs> no, wait a minute. One of them's Latin, one of them's Greek. The Greek version or the, the other version is ignorant. <clears throat> so they don't call them the ignorance. They, they call them the agnostics because it, it's a little more soft. All right, so agnostics say, well, if there's a God, I don't know him, and there's no way to know him, or no one's discovered him. But atheism actually says there isn't a God. So their very foundation is illogical. You can't prove there isn't a God. But they base their life on that fact. And so you can respect that, I guess, or at least accept their point of view. But the creation story contradicts that. I mean, this is where uh, it's, it's like the Bible is not just a self-help book about how to be moral and good people. The very basis of it is that you need to encounter a living God that created everything. Does it make sense? All right. And it's unfortunate even, even our Christian organization or teachers that actually take God out of Christianity and promote it as just a philosophy of good works. That doesn't work. All right. Because the creation story, the, the founding opening scenes of the whole uh, 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 idea is how God started. We're not an accident. We're created and we're deeply loved and we actually share in God's uh, 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 image. And then another general idea is secularism. Um, And this defines all human affairs based on the secular, uh, just the natural aspects, the naturalistic considerations, and not on godly truths. So you just look at society, you look at economies, you look at natural uh, uh, forces, and you figure out your place in the world and purpose of everything just based on, you know, maybe God exists and maybe you even go to church, but, you know, in the day-to-day things, you're a secularist. But the Bible 
account teaches us that we can't separate the secular from the sacred. Creation was an expression of the sacred. It's God, the sacred, infusing the natural world with uh, uh, things that represent him and communicate truth. There's no separation between the, the natural and the sacred. God walked in the garden. And that we are mandated by God to be stewards and to bring fruitfulness and to bring his character and his order into creation. And so secularism cannot exist. You can't be a Christian secularist if you understand what Christian means, if you understand what secularism means. All right, you have to understand, oh, that's a, that's a, that's a different creation myth. You know, atheism is a different creation myth. In the same way that the Egyptians came out uh, having to say, wait a minute, the sun's not the God we worship? That's what all the Egyptians worship. No, we don't worship the sun god. Oh, what, what? And so in the same way, we, explain, we, we find our footing and our place in the universe by understanding the important issues of creation. And of course, there's a lot of other isms. I could, we could spend a whole series on going through the, all of the isms that uh, uh, are contrary to Christianity. Um, the big idea is that creation teaches us that God's the great creator. He alone is the one worthy to worship. And in relationship with him is the, is the one that we find fulfillment. Got to get through my three questions. Going to try to do this quickly. What does this part of the story mean to you and I today? Hopefully you've already kind of heard a few things, a lot of it. Um, I think it has as much meaning to you and I as it did to the original ones who heard it, Israelites, as they came out of Egypt, uh, and those who had heard the oral traditions previously. It gives us an origin story where we came from, and it helps us understand how we fit into the universe. We might be like, um, you know, the, the people on WandaVision, they don't understand everything that's going on when we're watching it. I don't understand how it all fits together, but I know it's within the universe, all right, of, of that storyline. In the same way, we don't know everything that's going on. We don't know how everything fits together. But you know what? I know God created everything. I know God is good, and I know God loves us, and I know that God has called me to represent him and to be an image bearer. Oh, that changes everything. It helps me know how to fit in the universe. And it reveals the purpose and the person of our creator, of God. It gives us meaning to life. Uh, it equips us to understand the world and know how to respond to other viewpoints, other, other worldviews um, in a way that uh, hopefully communicates the important truths of Scripture. All right? If you understand this worldview, listen, you, you, can, you, can, you can argue in a sense or communicate the, the important aspects of, of who God is and who we are in relationship to Him, and that we have a vital part. We have significance. You have significance. Every man, woman, and child on planet Earth has significance. What can we do to apply this in our lives today? So what practical thing can you do to honor God through creation or to demonstrate his faithfulness uh, or, uh, or, or to demonstrate your faithfulness as a steward of being a, a, um, a, a man or a woman assigned by God to be a caretaker, to, to, to rule earth and to 
to demonstrate his character. Maybe you can clean up something that's uh, 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 fallen into decay. Or maybe you can rescue an animal or donate to an animal shelter. I just, just came, Mark and I were talking on the phone. Or actually, I think we were chatting. I can't remember. <laughs> we were communicating in some manner. We're like, what are some practical things? I was like, you know what? Anything that you do that, that makes create, that cares for creation, you are stepping into that mandate that God gave Adam and Eve. All right? So whether it's cleaning up something or caring for an animal or, or, or doing something, that's, that's a good thing. Or make a list of specific things in creation that you've experienced. And then thank God aloud for those things. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful snow. Man. I'm glad we, we went most of the winter without it. But you know, it's pretty. I do like it. <clears throat> Where is Jesus revealed in this part of the story? I'm going to finish with this. Um, he's not named, but Jesus is present. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the earth. And the Spirit of God, oh, we have God, then we have the Spirit of God, was hovering over the face of the waters, and then God spoke, let there be light, and there was light. And in that we see the three persons, the three expressions of the Trinity. The Father was active in willing everything into existence. Jesus, the Word of God, was active in speaking into uh, as the spoken expression of God's will, speaking each part of creation into existence. And in Colossians it says, through him and for him, through him being through Jesus and for Jesus. And the Spirit was present, hovering over God's, uh, uh, the earth as God's word formed God's will into reality. Real quick, you know, John uh, starts his gospel with this verse. It says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. John, when he wrote the gospel, intentionally worded this to hearken back to the creation story and saying, listen, Jesus was present there because he was the word of God. When, when Let there be light, that was Jesus. Okay, And then we find Paul explaining it in Colossians that Jesus is the is the image of the invisible God. We are created in the image of God. And here Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Wow, it's talking about creation. Jesus was the firstborn over all creation. It says, by him all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, thrones and dominions, principalities or powers. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. All right? So Jesus at one point took on human form in the incarnation, but Jesus was present in the moments of creation, active. In fact, it says he was before all things, and him in him, Jesus, all things exist. He's the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that, that in all things he may have preeminence. In other words, he is most important. So the Bible begins this beautiful arc of the story with the introduction, and it's not until many, many centuries later that we find out some of the details. Oh, Jesus was actually right there. 
And he is actually the primary character of the story. And so to close, I just want to ask you, is Jesus preeminent in your life? All right? And the way you make him preeminent is initially simply and every day simply saying, Jesus, you are preeminent. Easier way to say that? Jesus, you are my Lord. Would you close with me in prayer? Jesus, we thank you that you've given us this incredible record of creation. And I thank you that you've revealed to us that, that, that uh, we have an important part and that we can know our Creator specifically through knowing you, Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray that if there's anyone in this room or anyone listening online, uh, that if they have not yet received you as Lord, that they would say that prayer, that they would confess that you, Jesus, are Lord and commit their lives to you because you demonstrated the greatest love of all when you came and died on the cross. Help us see creation in a new way, Lord, as we see your glory and our purpose revealed through it. In the name of your Son, Lord uh, Father, in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus, amen. All right, God bless you. I went over time, so community groups start this week. There was a handout. There's, and those online, there's a link, and there are some questions that you can do on your own or do with your group. Um, uh, and uh, God bless you. We will continue next week with the next major theme of Scripture, the fall. Boom, 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 boom. You are dismissed.